You're listening to Feedback with Bill Saunders on News Talk 830 WEEU and 830WEEU.com. A new generation of talk. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Feedback, your on-air town square, here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond, News Talk 830 WEEU. Good morning, everyone. I'm Bill Saunders, along with Sean Tansky. Our phone number's here if you'd like to take part in the show, and I hope you do, 610-374-8800, or toll-free if you're calling from out of the area. That number is 888-401-0459. And if you want to send us an email instead, you can do so. The email address is feedback at 830weeu.com. And if you want us to read your email on the air, a couple of things you got to do. Include your first name, the town you live in, and let us know whether or not we have your permission to read it on the air. Would appreciate that very, very much. All right, we've got a jam-packed day ahead for you here. Let's take a look at today's top three topics. Dave McCormick trails Bob Casey in the race for Pennsylvania's U.S. Senate seat that Casey currently occupies. But a poll suggests McCormick still has a chance. We'll take a look at that. A congressman from Pennsylvania is calling for the House GOP to cancel President Biden's State of the Union address. We'll explain what that's all about. And why is Nikki Haley still in the race? A columnist with USA Today may have the answer. And coming up at 10 o'clock... Reading's new police chief, Elias Eli Vasquez, will be my guest, and he'll be taking your calls. That's during the 10 o'clock hour this morning here on Feedback. All right, let's get started. This I, I want to share something with you, and I, and, and I want to see if you have a reaction to this, if this were to happen in your community. I heard this while uh, eating breakfast this morning. I, I was watching 6ABC, streaming it uh, over the Internet. Uh, their uh, newscast today, and they talked about the Jenkintown Borough, which is a community uh, in eastern Montgomery County. And apparently they're uh, uh, facing a, a tight uh, budget squeeze, and one of the things they're considering doing is disbanding their 11-member police force. Uh, according to their story, 6ABC that is, the, the borough right now is spending $400,000 to maintain their 11-person police force. And uh, they're concerned about the impact this is having on taxpayers there in the borough. So they're holding a series of town hall meetings, one of which was held last night, asking for input from the residents. And you could just imagine what the reaction was. It was not good. Uh, The people were not happy that this is being considered, despite the uh, the impact on their on their wallets uh, when it comes to paying their taxes, uh, they want their police force. Well, the police chief says that one of the things that they're considering is possibly uh, joining up with the uh, neighboring townships, uh, and you've got uh, uh, Cheltenham being one, Abington being the other, which are which are right next to uh, to Jenkintown. And the possibility would be that uh, they would join forces there and use that those police departments uh, to maintain their their safety. Now, I don't think, and and I started to look this up uh, 
Uh, Sean, I started to look at this up this morning when you and I were putting the show together today. Uh, and I didn't get through that uh, that search to see if Montgomery County has any regional police departments. I don't believe they do. Now, I know that Berks County has a few, uh, maybe four regional police departments, if my memory serves me right, maybe even five. Um, and uh, let me pot you up here so that uh, people can hear you if you talk. I see your lips moving. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Now you're on. Sorry about that, buddy. Uh, I know that uh, Berks County has a few regional police departments, and I do know that there are a few communities here in this borough or in this county uh, that utilize the state police uh, primarily at night uh, uh, because their their uh, local police department is is uh, thin yeah. uh, as far as the number of police officers is concerned. But I. Uh, but I want to get uh, the, the feel of the listeners here today. What if this were to happen in your community, where all of a sudden uh, the, uh, the township or the borough uh, said to you as a resident of that municipality that they're considering disbanding the police department because there's just not enough money? What would be your reaction? Clearly, the Jenkintown folks are not happy with this, and they're fighting it all the way, and justifiably so. I mean, it's just like the pride that one has in their school district. Uh, They don't want to see their school district go away. Um, They want to keep it as local as possible. And and we've talked on this show about the possibility, because there are, what, uh, almost 500. There used to be 501 school districts in Pennsylvania. I think it's dropped now because a couple have merged. Uh, So you're a little under 500, possibly. Uh, but I've always talked about the possibility of of merging school districts, at least in the various counties together, to save some money. Uh, so with that said, and we've discussed that on this show, now I want to talk about merging police departments and get your take on this uh, and see what you think. Give us a call here if, if you have a thought on this, 610-374-8800 or toll free, 888 uh, and then there's Dave McCormick, who is is running for the U.S. Senate seat that uh, Bob Casey currently holds. And his campaign ran a, a, a poll, uh, Public Opinion Strategies, or POS, did this survey for uh, his campaign. And uh, there is a memo that was released by McCormick's campaign yesterday that has mixed messages for the candidate for the Republican nomination for this U.S. Senate seat. Uh, And I got this from politicspa.com. They say, on one hand, the campaign is acknowledging that the former Bridgewater Associates head fund CEO is trailing Democratic incumbent Bob Casey Jr. by seven points now, according to the latest poll. Yet on the flip side, the same pollsters at uh, Public Opinion Strategies see a path for the 58-year-old to overcome that deficit and defeat the three-term senator and become the key piece to the GOP winning back control of the chamber. Uh, POS surveyed 800 likely Pennsylvania voters between January 22nd and 25th and found that Bob Casey leads McCormick in a head-to-head matchup 47% to 40%, with 12% of those uh, reporting or responding as being undecided at this point. The memo attempts to establish the advantages that McCormick has over Casey as the campaign heads into March. And here's what the authors of this memo write. 
In both our survey and in focus groups, voters struggled to identify a single issue or accomplishment that associate with Casey other than he is the incumbent Democratic senator. They went on to write in their memo, even voters' recall of Casey's father as governor is a very distant, foggy memory. And even though McCormick ran for the GOP nomination for Senate two years ago, nearly 70% of those in this survey have either never heard of or don't have an opinion of the probable Republican candidate. POS provided the pool of voters with a neutral description of both candidates to gauge support. And, and their question is, for whom would you vote in the election for the U.S. Senate if you learned that first Republican Dave McCormick is a West Point graduate? and combat army veteran who helped build a business that created hundreds of jobs in Pennsylvania. Dave has never held office and is running to shake up the Senate, secure the southern border, and bring jobs back to America from China. And then it goes on to describe Democrat Bob Casey. They say uh, their, their wording of Bob Casey in this, in this uh, poll was he is, a, is Pennsylvania's senior senator and the son of a former governor. Casey is running for re-election to stand up to greedy corporate interests on behalf of Americans and to protect democracy. Well, when numbers showed a reversal for McCormick to the tune of 52 to 45, it becomes apparent, according to this memo, what his campaign will be focusing on in the coming weeks and months. In other words, the, the numbers flipped once they found out that he is a, a West Point graduate and, a, and an Army veteran. And here's what the memo goes on to say. Dave McCormick's background as a combat veteran and successful businessman offer the perfect contrast to career politician Bob Casey and his long record of making life more difficult and less safe for Pennsylvanians. Now, I'll leave that up to you to decide if Bob Casey uh, is making life more difficult and less safe for uh, those of us in, in Pennsylvania. The memo goes on to say, Add in a favorable environment for Republicans in the state, and Dave McCormick is well-positioned to win in November. Love to get your take on that as well. Let's go to the phones right now. Uh, we've got uh, Randy in Robisonia who wants to talk about the uh, Jenkintown police story. Randy, good morning. Yeah. Welcome to Feedback. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, I saw that story on the news, and I think what they're looking at is going to contracted services with another police department. And we did that in Robazonia. At one time, we had our own police department, but, you know, because of mandated costs from the state, um, you know, things kept going up. And um, so we went with uh, South Heidelberg Township, okay. and so did Wernersville, and so did Heidelberg Township. And the way it works is we contract for so many hours a week that they will patrol the town. You know, I, I forget if we do 40 or 80 hours a week where they're actually in town. And then they will answer calls 24-7 um, if you have an emergency. And it's been working out for us. It brought the it brought the costs down. And, um, you know, we've been real happy with it. And we've had it now for about four years. And like I said, Wernersville and Heidelberg got involved in it, too. So, um you know, it's it's it worked out for us, and I I think it's um it's something that should be looked at. Now, Randy, you say it brought costs down there for Robisonia residents. Did you yes. did you mm -hmm. folks see that reflected in your taxes then? Did you see no, your taxes come down? It, 
No, they didn't come down, but you know they they didn't go up either. I think um, we've been maybe five or six years now where taxes hadn't gone up, and we saw with our own department that you know the the numbers were going up every year, and it would have ended up with a a tax increase. And so you know we've avoided tax increases for you know a number of years now. So uh, if you were to advise the the folks in Jenkintown. Uh, what would be your answer to them then? Well, I would take a, a good look at it, and if they are, if the department they want to contract service services with is already providing contracted services for another municipality or township, I would advise them to talk to them because that's what we did. York, um, York, uh, Northern York Regional Police Department. Um, we had talked with their chief, and they had they're they're the um, like the oldest regional police department in in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, they're, they're over 50 years now. And so we talked to some of the other um, towns and townships that contracted services with them, and they were really happy. And we talked with their police chief, and um, and that's when we decided to go with, uh, with South Heidelberg. And like I said, we're really pleased with it. It kept costs down, and it's, um, you know, we, we, we've... If, if anything, like when we had our own police department, we didn't have 24-7 coverage. We had two full-time officers and a bunch of part-timers, but there was gaps in there where the state police had to fill. So with this, we do have 24-7 coverage, and um, and we're happy with it. Randy, thank you for weighing in today. I appreciate you taking the time to call. You bet. All right, you Bye-bye. take care. Bye-bye now. 610-374-8800, toll-free, 888 Love to hear from you. If your community ended up doing the same thing that Robisonia did, uh, or uh, let's just say uh, hypothetical, uh, how would you feel if your municipality decided that now is the time to stop offering its own police department and uh, contract with a, a neighboring police department? How would you feel about that? Would you feel less safe? Uh, and, uh, and, and I found this uh, to be a timely issue especially since we're going to have Redding's new police chief on with us uh, in the next hour. So let us know what you think about that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Morning Call has an interesting article out where they, they claim that Pennsylvania is going to be the nation's most important swing state this year. I guess that means you can expect to see a lot of visits. We've already had a lot of visits by both President Biden and former President Trump. Uh, That also could mean that we're going to see even more visits from the two of them uh, before November is out or before November is here. But the morning call says in the last two months, President Biden landed in Marine One amid log cabins at Valley Forge National Historical Park. And former President Donald Trump touched down in his Trump Force One branded jet at Philly International for a quick pop in at a sneaker convention. They're becoming Pennsylvania frequent flyers, the morning call reports. Trump called the state one of the most important battlegrounds during a Harrisburg rally this month, while Biden said Philadelphia was, quote, the backbone of my campaign. That was during a December fundraiser. As both appear poised to be their party's nominee, which man returns to the Oval Office could very well be decided by Pennsylvania voters. With the most electoral votes of any swing state, and a history of narrow margins in presidential races, Pennsylvania isn't just a bellwether for how the country shifts politically, but a geographic roadmap for how each candidate can win again, reports the morning call. 
So what will it take for Trump or Biden to win the state this year? Well, this article breaks down several key factors, and let me quickly go through those, then we'll go back to the phones here. Trump must hold on to his support in rural areas, where even a slight erosion could obstruct his path to victory. Biden needs to match, if not build, on his past support for suburban areas, where Trump has alienated voters but will try to make inroads. How Philadelphia turns out, particularly whether young and black voters rally behind Biden, could be a deciding variable. Trump won the state by 44,000 votes back in 2016, roughly the capacity of Citizens Bank Park. There's an analogy for you. Biden took it in 2020 by about 80,000 votes, just under the population of my hometown of Upper Darby. The last four years have been a split story in Pennsylvania. Republicans have continued to gain on Democrats in overall registration, cutting their deficit in half compared to 2020 and now trailing by just 3.4 percent. Again, I'm a little leery because remember we talked about this on this show that uh, uh, Democrats are switching. A lot of them are, are going to the Republican Party. And I have to wonder Are they doing that for the primary so they can vote in the Republican primary uh, and give Trump uh, stronger support uh, because that's who they really want to see in November run against Biden? I don't know. I'm just speculating. Uh, Democrats, meanwhile, have had close to perfect election success, winning nearly every contested statewide seat since 2016. This year, according to the Morning Call article, with an electorate dissatisfied by both candidates, it'll be a battle for base turnout and disengaged voters. If you want to comment on that, love to hear from you. All right, let's go back to the phones here. Let's weigh in. Uh, let's go to uh, Stony Creek and get uh, Jim's take on regional police. Jim, good morning. Welcome to Feedback. Hey, Bill. How are you today? All right, and yourself? Good, good. So, um... Now, uh, Stony Creek, which is part of Lorales' Township, um, Lorales' Township, Mount Penboro, and Alice's Township back in 1993 formed the Central Berks Regional Police Department. Um, after a couple of years, Alice's Township pulled out, and Mount Penn and Lorales has kept the regional. Um, and then, I forget how many years ago, uh, St. Lawrence Borough contracted with Central Berks Regional Police Department for police coverage. And then... Uh, probably about six years ago, Ole Township contracted with Central Berks Regional Police Department. And from the people you talked to, because uh, both, well, St. Lawrence had contracted with Exeter prior to that, and Ole had, was in the same boat as the the department you were talking to earlier, um, you know, where they had, you know, they had a couple man force and a couple part-timers, and then they were down to two guys, and so Ole went with us, and uh, when I say us, because I sit on the I sit on the police commission. Oh, okay. Um, I'm glad you called in. Though. So Ole, when Ole went with us, um, you know, they, the people you talked to said they, it was never so good as it is now because um, there was a bank robbery in Ole, I don't know, a couple of years ago. You know, and within a matter of two three minutes. The whole department was in Ole, you know. You know, before they had to wait for state police. You know, if they had a problem like that, they'd have to call for state police coverage, and it could take forever. Um, and the way it's set up is, if there's an incident anywhere in the in the, the districts, they you know that requires a full you know full department you know 
drop or whatever you want to call it, you know, all those all those officers respond from wherever they're at. So the the officer that's covering the Lower Alice's Township area, he responds. The the officer that's respond that covers the Mount Penn St. Lawrence area, he responds. The chief responds. The the a shift sergeant responds, so they get full coverage. Um, it works really well. I mean, you know, it's and it's it, you, know, you have to run it like a business. I mean, you know, because you know they're paying for a service, they're receiving a service, and it runs and it runs like a business. But it keeps what it does is it keeps Mount Penn by by contracting out for those other de- departments. It, it keeps Mount Penn and Laura Alice's bill from going. You know, our increases. Yeah, we increase every year, but our increases would be a lot worse if we didn't have those other two. You know those other two entities subcontracting to us. So the so the municipalities involved did not see any uh, difference in the response time from police when they were needed. Is that what you're no, saying? No, because actually, only only has only has one officer that's in their district the whole time. So part of their contract of the contract is that they have an officer in only all the time. One one officer in only all the time. And if you know something requires him to have backup. Within a matter of two minutes to three minutes, he has he has backup from another officer. So, so let me ask you this, Jim. Given given that you sit on the commission there, what would you say if Jenkintown residents were to come to you and ask for your your take on this? What would you advise them? If they if there's a department near them that they can go with, you know, you know, as long as they're not being, you know, as long as the the price is, you know. You know, they're fool not to. I mean, because in most cases, most most regional departments that are doing the subcontracting like we are, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're putting an they're putting at least one, you know, depending on the size of the area and what the contract, you know, calls for, they're putting one or two cars in that area all the time anyhow. Like, you know, the contract we have with Oli requires them to have one car in their, in their district the whole time, and they do. You know, if they were bigger... Then you know if they were if they if it needed more you know two officers to cover that area then of course the price would have to go up because you know it costs more to to pay two officers than one. Mm-hmm. But um, the fact that the you know luckily only the way Oli sits compared to Mount Penn, St. Lawrence, and Lauralsis, you can have an officer coming in from you know Oli Turnpike Road coming in from that way, or you can have another officer coming in from Freensburg Road. You know so they can they can get to Oli Township pretty quickly no matter where they got to get to jim thank you for weighing in i appreciated the call all right have a good day you too now bye-bye all right bye-bye all right let's uh let's uh, go to uh while missing richard wants to weigh in on dave mccormick versus bob casey richard good morning oh good morning <clears throat> yeah i just wanted to mention that uh i i think uh david mccormick is going to have a real tough uh battle uh, against Bob Casey. Uh, First of all, Bob Casey is really well-known and popular in uh, many parts of uh, Pennsylvania, not just, uh, you know, in uh, Harrisburg, not just in Philly, not just in Pittsburgh, but like even in uh, rural areas. He's real well-known, and uh, his father as governor was certainly known to people of of your generation and my generation and uh, the democrats think his seat is one of the safest now uh the the fact of course that mccormick uh was in the service uh, I, I think that's a very good thing i don't think it's the only thing you should uh, base it it's one of the factors I, I think that's good i i also think as you said it's good that mccormick uh as you know, a billionaire businessman did provide lots of jobs, 
But uh, also, you may remember uh, McCormick lost to uh, uh, Mehmet Oz the last time, and um, uh, Trump supported Mehmet Oz. A lot of people think McCormick would have won if Trump wouldn't have supported uh, Oz. And recently, I don't know if they were on a stage together or they were in the same area um, in in Pennsylvania, but Trump didn't mention uh, McCormick at all. And he just said, you know, he's going to support the Pennsylvania ticket, but he didn't mention McCormick. And when they said to McCormick, uh, since you have been fairly critical of Trump and many of his policies, you think Trump will, you know, endorse you. And McCormick said, well, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, his ticket will be good for Pennsylvania, and I think he'll support, you know, he sort of uh, walked a tightrope. They don't really like each other. And what I think is going to win in uh, Pennsylvania are issues like abortion, infrastructure. And, you know, if anyone says Casey isn't, you know, isn't uh, well-known, boy, uh, <laughs> he supported all the uh, – uh, Biden policies of uh, infrastructure, student loan debt, uh, all, all of the, the the compromise on um, the border and and giving uh, aid to uh, Ukraine and Israel, which the Republicans did. I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it seems another uh, very rich billionaire with no experience, business and army experience. Yes. Uh, experience in government at a time we really need it, no. And, uh, you know, uh, Casey has a lot of experience, well-known, et cetera. So, uh, well, let me ask, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, and you're making good points. Uh, we all remember when Mehmet Oz uh, ran up against uh, uh, jo- uh, John Fetterman uh, in 2022. The, one of the biggest issues there was that he didn't live in Pennsylvania. He was from New Jersey. Uh, he had a residence in New Jersey. Uh, Dave McCormick now lives up in New Hampshire and uh, New England somewhere. I don't know right. if it's New ha- New Hampshire or Connecticut or where, uh, right. but his residence is now up there. Uh, mm-hmm. I would imagine that 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 would be can't become uh, another issue in this race. Would you Would you agree? I, I would agree, but just as you mentioned the. Uh the army as a good point for him and uh, his give business giving jobs a good point for him. Um, I think the residency thing may hurt him a little, but I think what will really hurt him is I, you know, I think he's wrong in the issues. And I think, uh, you know, people aren't going to just look at one or two or three things. I think they're going to look at the totality. And when they, you know, look at the experience and the track record overall of uh, Bob Casey, and then they look at uh, him, uh, you know, look at McCormick. I just think it's a no-brainer, and I think he'll get crushed. I really do. I could be wrong again. You know, I've been wrong many times, but uh, that's just my take. Well, I appreciate your take, and thank you for taking the time to call in and share it with us today. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, not sir. It's Bill. Bill, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) That's okay, Richard. Take care. Have a good day. You too. And and we'll continue with these issues in just a bit here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond News Talk, 830 WEEU. Now let's go to the newsmaker line right now. I've got Ron Poplowski of Poplowski's Auto Service and Collision Repair at 4751 Penn Avenue in Sinking Spring. Good morning, Ron. How are you today? 
Good morning. I'm absolutely terrific. I couldn't ask for a more beautiful day in Sinking Springs. It's gorgeous out here. I'm ready for so, spring. I don't know about you. Yes, I am <laughs> ecstatic at this point. I've been just chomping at the bit. I want to get out and do something outside. So, uh, yeah, well, what that got me to think of something while I was driving to work and the sun started coming up. Uh, you know, there, we do have some products, which I use on my own vehicles, uh, to keep the sun from baking your arm. And I've seen articles, I don't know if you have in the past or not, where like uh, truck drivers or people that drive all the time delivering parts, the sun just from hitting the side of their face or their arm has actually caused skin issues because they don't realize having that arm just sitting up against the side of the window and the sun baking the side of their face can really cause damage after years and years of that happening. And that's why I specifically myself use vent shades on the side of my glass so I can crack the window down a little bit, mm -hmm. still get a little bit of air in there. They're tinted, so it keeps the glare from hitting me right directly in the face. And it just makes it a little bit easier so that even when it's raining out, you can still crack the window down a little bit, get a nice cool breeze into the car. It's going to start getting nicer and nicer out. You're going to want your windows down. Um, that's something that we do carry here at Peploski, so don't be afraid to give us a call or stop by and ask for, you know, make sure you have the year making model so I know what we're working with and what kind of size. They actually make different size vent shades also, so if you're really interested, stop by, talk to one of my people in the store. Hopefully you'll get to see me. I do my best to talk to customers as much as I can, but I still like being in the garage working too, so just throwing that out there. Now, um, now describe for us uh, these shades. Describe for us uh, how uh, how they're installed first and foremost, and and how how much are you are you are these things that you can pull down for the entire window or what? No, it goes on the left, the right side, and even the back windows and the rear glass. Now, some of them that are made by WeatherTech, they slip up inside the seal of the door glass. Um, on some vehicles, I do not recommend putting those on because I've had issues with them in the past where the automatic window, uh, with that being in there, wants to come right back down because there's too much pressure on it. Oh. And there is a sensor on some of the newer vehicles that if you do put the vent shade into the, the glass rubber and you go to put the window back up, it has that automatic sensor that there's too much tension as if somebody's finger would be in there and they come right back down. Now, they are very well built, don't get me wrong, but there's so little of a tolerance. And uh, to explain what they are, as you asked, they're about three to four inches in height. Okay. And it goes from right around where the mirror is, behind the mirror, mm -hmm. all the way up the side of the window, and goes to the back edge of the door. Now, when you and say mirror, are you talking the side view mirror? Yeah. or Oh, okay, gotcha. Side view mirror, mm -hmm. yep. Okay. goes right up the side glass and then comes down three or four inches, depending on which ones you get. There's flat ones, there's big bubbly ones, and then there's real tall ones. And it only takes up a few inches of the side so that when you drop the glass on the right or left side of the vehicle, you can still get air in the car, but it also keeps rain, snow, and any other kind of debris from coming in, and then it also keeps the sun from hitting you right in the face or on the ear on the side of your face there. Oh, that's cool. And for me, I think that's great because if you're going on a long trip and you want to crack the window a little bit and it starts to rain, now you got all the rain coming in. Wow. If you have a vent shade on it, or we call it vent shade, vent guard, whatever you want to call it, 
on the side, you don't have to worry about the rain pouring in or hitting you in the face also, but you can still get a little bit of a cool breeze. And, you know, a lot of people who are listening to you now say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Ron, we're still in winter. Why should I worry about the sun? Well, I'll tell you, this past weekend uh, where we had the sun out, I went for a long drive, and, boy, the, the, the sun coming through the windshield, really, I could feel the strength of the sun. It felt like it was late spring. Yeah, it almost makes you nauseous. Yeah, it does. So strong. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and that's why I, every vehicle I have has a set of vent shades on it. Um, there's a few different companies out there. Now, as you asked, there's also one that I personally like is the tape on. And people say, well, why would you want to tape something on the side of the the car right on the door on the paint? Well, once they're on there, you don't even notice that they're there. They're, they're smoke in color. They're see-through. And once it's up against the side of the car you, you barely even notice but boy does it make a difference just to keep you comfortable in the car so that you're not burning up or your face ain't burning up now this so, doesn't this doesn't block your your field of vision at all right not one bit okay no. all right no. not unless you're trying to look out the right front corner real tiny spot there but no there's no reason to and it doesn't affect the rear view mirrors either on either side and as you say you you folks not only sell these but you install them as well right Yep, we install them. They're not very hard to install. Um, but, you know, sometimes people just don't want to bother with it. And they're like, can you put them on for us? Yeah, it only takes a couple minutes. It's no big deal. Uh, there is two places you can look, and one is uh, called AVS. That's one of the companies, and the other company is WeatherTech. Those are the two that we sell the most of. And if you buy them here, we'll, we'll gladly install them for you. Cool. Um, when it comes to other items, I know people have called and said, hey, do you do window tint since we're on the subject? I do not personally do window tint. That's not my uh, forte. That is for a professional. Um, and just to throw it out there, if you want a really good professional that does all my stuff, I use Cooper Auto Tint. He's on Facebook. You can look him up. He'll do a great job for you. He's been doing my windows as long as I can remember. And now, saying that, check the local law. You're technically not supposed to put anything on the front glass. And if you want an answer to that, you look it up under the PA state regulations. Technically, you're not supposed to put anything on the front glass, but you know how some people, they're running around with them so dark you can't even see who's in the car. Yeah, I've seen, um, I've seen cars where the windshield is uh, tinted. Completely illegal. Yeah, I thought it completely was. Illegal. And so is extremely dark sides. I don't have an issue with somebody. Now, over the years, the inspection, doing a state inspection has come to the point where we were relaxed a little bit with the law. But if you do bring one in, and I know anybody listening that also has an auto shop will tell you, if you bring one in and it's dark and I can't see through the car, I'm going to fail it because that is something that is very dangerous. If I can't see you and you can't see me, then how do I know where you're going or what's going on also? Uh, that's just my personal preference. There is definitely a law that states you are not supposed to have that on there as in any way, shape, or form. But if it's a light color, just enough. They actually make some of them that they don't look very dark, but they affect the sun baking you in the vehicle. So not something I do. If you want all the specs on that, you want all the information on that, you call a guy that does specifically does window tint or call the state and ask them, there's, there's regulations. You just want to be careful you don't go having that done and then get yourself in trouble, or they can't inspect the car somewhere down the line. So just keep that in mind. 
And real quick, uh, real quick, share with the folks uh, where you're located, your hours of operation, and how they can get in touch with you, Mr. Ron. Well, today I really get to say it. I am out here right on Route 422 <laughs> on your way through up to Warnersville on in beautiful, absolutely beautiful, Sacred <laughs> Springs, PA. Uh, you can get a hold of me at 610-678-6916. And as I always say, don't forget all the other people like South Mountain Physical Therapy and myself, uh, King's Auto, all of us that advertise on EEU. Please give us all a little bit of your business. We greatly appreciate it. We're just local guys trying to make a living. Ron Poplowski of Poplowski's Auto Service and Collision Repair at 4751 Penn Avenue in Sinking Spring. Ron, as always, thank you for the information you share with us. You are absolutely welcome. Thank you very much, and have a beautiful day. You too, Ron. Bye-bye now. And i got to get caught up on my commercial breaks here. My, oh, my, I'm way behind today. Yeah, I love hearing from you folks on the phone. And when I'm on the phone with you, I totally forget the time. So we're going to take a commercial break. It's going to be a long one, forgive me, but we'll be back with more of feedback in just a bit. News you can use. I feel more informed when I listen. News Talk 830, WEEU. And now back to feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU. The voice of Burks and Beyond. We have a lot to talk about still, uh, but we're going to take a break here and switch gears during the uh, 10 o'clock hour. As uh, Reading's new police chief, Elias Vasquez, will be joining me. And uh, we'll be talking about uh, some of the things that he's looking to do for the police department. And he'll be taking your questions uh, during the 10 o'clock hour. Our phone numbers here again are 610-374-8800 or toll free, 888-401-0459. And then uh, when we resume our our discussion uh, during the 11 o'clock hour... A lot to talk about there, including a Pennsylvania congressman who is actually suggesting that the House GOP cancel President Biden's State of the Union address. So we'll take a look at that. And also uh, how the relationship or lack thereof between the president and the House speaker is affecting the possibility of a shutdown of the government because we've got a deadline coming up on Friday. And uh, I do know that the president is going to be meeting with the uh, four leaders of of, uh, Congress uh, either today or tomorrow. I think it's today uh, at the White House, Johnson being one of them. Uh, But we'll take a look and see how the uh, lack of a relationship uh, is not helping in this uh, shutdown discussion. Uh, And that's an an article that uh, is in Politico. So we'll talk about that. And Nikki Haley. Why is she still in the race? Interesting uh, piece that appears in USA Today uh, by uh, Ingrid Jacques uh, that uh, seems to address that. And we'll, uh, we'll share with you some sound uh, on that uh, of how, uh, what Nikki Haley has to say to her supporters at a recent rally. And there's much more to talk about when this Tuesday edition of Feedback, your on-air town square, continues here on The Voice of Burks and Beyond. News Talk 830 WEEU. More in a minute. That's a wrap for the first hour of feedback on this Tuesday morning. Hour number two comes your way in just a bit. 
Again, I'll be joined by Reading's new police chief, Elias Vasquez, and he'll be taking your questions during the next hour. So keep it here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond, News Talk 830 WEEU. In the meantime, it's News Time with Radio PA and ABC, and then Bob McCool will have a check on sports to round out the top of the hour. Thank you for making us part of your day today. We appreciate you being on your end of the radio or the Internet. The Voice of Berks and Beyond. Welcome back as we kick off our number two of Feedback, your on-air town square. Here on the voice of Berks and Beyond, News Talk 830 WEEU. Good morning, everyone. I'm Bill Saunders, along with my producer, Sean Tansky. And we welcome your calls today, 610-374-8800 or toll-free, 888-401-0459. And our email address here is feedback at 830weeu.com. And if you'd like us to read your email on the air, don't forget to include the following, your first name, the town you live in, and let us know whether or not we have your permission to read it on the air. I'm very honored right now to have as my guest for the next hour, uh, Reading's new police chief, Elias Vasquez, is here today. Uh, chief, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. It's a pleasure to have you today. And I, I want to start off, and of course, we're, we, we'll take questions from listeners as sure. well. So if anybody has a question for Chief Vasquez, give us a call here. The numbers again are 610-374-8800 or toll-free, 888 Four zero one zero four five nine. Let's start off first of all, finding out uh, a, a little bit about your background. And I, I was rather surprised. I found out that because uh, I wondered why would anybody come up here from Tampa? I but, get asked that a lot. <laughs> but you're from this area. I didn't know yes, that. Yes. Well, um, when we left uh, New York, uh, I, I was born in New York in Greenpoint, uh, Brooklyn, and. Um, when we left there, I was about eight years old. Um, we went to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania for a, a few years and then ultimately moved to um, Pleasantville, New Jersey, and then um, and then Milan, New Jersey, and that's where I spent most of my uh, childhood. So I joined the Marine Corps. I graduated from high school oh, there. Oh, okay. And then joined the Marine Corps, and then after the Marine Corps, I, I uh, became a police officer. But, yeah, so I'm used to the cold. Um, <laughs> had to convince my wife, but she's okay. <laughs> So why why did you choose the police department or the the, the Reading uh, police become, department? Well, no, no. Why did why did you choose uh, to become a policeman in the first place? Um, it's just something I've always wanted to do. Um, you talk about community policing and, and engagement. Um, it started back when you know I was in elementary school in Pleasantville. Um, that was my first encounter with a local police officer, uh, an African American gentleman. He used to come by. I come from a big family, five girls, five boys. Oh, my so goodness. So we're always out on the street playing around in the middle of the street, and he would come by and push us off the street. But not only that, he would engage with us and talk to us, and that's where I started to kind of grow the love for um, for law enforcement became a safety at my elementary school, and that's all she wrote. Um, you know, I just kept going from there. I just really wanted to be a police officer my entire life. Share with us some of your accomplishments over your career. Um, well, uh, obviously, it's a long 35-year long career. Wow. Um, I'm very proud of the fact that I um, joined the Marine Corps. Um, that really helped me, uh, you know, establish myself as as, as a man and um, you know, structure uh, who I am. Um, then, you know, I, I decided to join the uh, police department in 1987. I went through the academy there and, and started officially in 1988 in uh, Garden Grove, California. 
small town, but uh, that was at the height of the uh, you know crack epidemic and mm-hmm. um, a lot of gangs. Uh, it's just a different world over there at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I did that for about four and a half years, five years. And in 92, I decided to move to uh, Florida and um, walk, worked for another small agency there and then finally got on with Tampa Police in 1994. And obviously, I went through all the ranks, um, all the way up to the second in command assistant chief. And I would say that was um, my biggest accomplishment until now. Now I'm the chief here in Reading. And I'm very proud of that. So share with us, what, what, what is your, your assessment so far of the city of Reading? Well, it's a great department, and I, I can only compare the Reading Police Department to Tampa because that's where I came from and spent most of my time there. Um, I, I spent about 26 years there, and it's a great department. Tampa's a great department, and um, so I, I kind of just um, I'm comparing policies, procedures, and practices of what we do in Tampa and what we do here in Reading, and and I don't see any any differences really. Um, I've been meeting all the different units, going to the roll calls, meeting the officers. That's important that I engage with those officers and just getting their opinions on things. Uh, and I just I don't see much difference, and it's a high quality police officer that we have here in Reading. So I'm very proud of the uh, of the officers that we do have. When Mayor Moran hired you, did he give you any directive, anything that he's looking? for the police department to do in the next uh, year or so? Yeah, um, basically uh, community engagement. And, okay. You know, I, I went to um, a town hall, uh, one of the first ones that we've had in a long while. And uh, while I was in the process to uh, get this job, just to write down my notes, my assessment of what the community wanted, and that was one of the biggest things. They want the chief of police to be engaged out in the community, and not only that, to see more of the officers as well. Um, Despite, you know, what a lot of folks think out there, um, misconceptions about the police department, um, that the community doesn't want to engage with the police department, that's, that's not true. What I heard is that they do want to engage. Oh, that's good. And, and they want to see the officers out there. So, okay. Um, that's, and that's one of the biggest things that the mayor uh, wanted me to do, focus on that community engagement. And obviously youth and gun violence, um, that's rampant throughout the nation, mm-hmm. not just here in Reading, but... Um, those, those are the type of things that he wanted me to focus on. There, lately, there have been a couple of uh, stabbings that have been occurring here in the city. How do you combat that? Well, what I say is that um, a lot of that is, is it's target-specific. In other mm-hmm. words, it's not rampant. It's not, you know, they're going around the city just targeting anyone. It's um, a lot of times it's unfortunately domestic violence cases um, or known uh, gang affiliates, um, you know, loose gang members, um, whatever you want to call it, uh, youth groups. Um, a lot of that starts on social media and then, you know, spills out into the streets, unfortunately. And it's a, a tough thing to do um, when, when you have youth out there that are just don't care about their future uh, or don't think, uh, as many young folks do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to combat that, but it's – they it's target specific. They're targeting each other. Not, not that that's good in any way, but uh, the public as a whole uh, should not fear, you know, going out and about and doing the things that they need to do in the community. Because uh, I drive around often on my days off just to try to get to uh, learn the city a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't see, I don't see where there's there's crime everywhere and just you know um, disarray everywhere. I, I just don't see it. It's it's a really good city uh, to be in. 
So now I know that you've been here three weeks so far, but can you give us some ideas to what your plans are? We, you've talked to me about uh, what uh, the mayor's directive is for you. How about for you personally? What goals are you looking to accomplish in the first year and, and the first five years in, in this position? Uh, well, the first year I would say um, uh, just organizational excellence. Um, that is in everything that we do that we're using the best practices, uh, whether that's um, – uh, policies that we're writing, whether how we're fighting crime, uh, how we're preventing crime, how we're engaging in the schools, all those type of things, every every function that we're doing the best that we can and using best practices that we um, garner from all the different agencies throughout the nation and take those and then um, make them and mold them into what, you know, what's best for us here in Reading. Um, so that's in everything that we do. Um, obviously, you know, that's important because um, I'm not going to be around forever. Um, most of the senior staff, they're not going to be around forever. So it's about succession as well, making sure that these new officers that are up and coming, that uh, they have those be best practices and that uh, they use that in their leadership uh, as they come up, you know, and train to become, to take our, our, our places. So it's important that, um, that we give the community the best officers that we can, the best leader that we can because we owe to the, the community uh, so that they have the best, um, you know, police force, um, you know, in existence. You know, I always say I, I want the best police department, you know, because what CEO of, of a company doesn't want them, their company to be the best. And, um, it's, it, you know, it's a, it's a very lofty goal, but that's what I'm going to continue to do every single day to try to be the best police department in the nation. Now, right now, your department, you have 149 police Correct. officers, if yes. my memory serves me right, and you've got a, uh, uh, an, uh, the capacity for 175, so we've got a deficit of 26 officers right now. Yes. What are your plans for filling those positions, and do you have some sense as to how soon you could do that? Well, it, it's, that's a challenge that every police department pretty much throughout the nation is facing. It's a difficult thing. Um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, what has gone on throughout the country and those other cities on states where, you know, we've had, um, you know, riots and things like that. And, and the public perception of law enforcement has, has gone down somewhat. And that's not in general. I, I think it's just a certain segments that, of the communities that um, may think that based on the, uh, the issues that uh, have happened. Uh, but that's part of it. Um, but uh, the other part is obviously, you know, um, it, it's, it's a very big challenge for us to compete with other agencies that are looking for to fill their, their slots as well. Um, but we can't give up. We have to continue to um, showcase ourselves. Um, right now I'm working uh, with a couple officers that <coughs> are trying to um, put a video together, a recruitment video. They're, they're, these younger guys are really good with the you know, social media and videos and, and whatnot. Um, to try and push that out, not just to the folks here in Reading, the city in Berks County as well, uh, but throughout the nation to get those interested, you know, like me, I came from Florida. So um, if, if, the, um, if, if this opportunity wouldn't have been in, in the news or Indeed or uh, different sources like that, um, I wouldn't have known about it. So that's what we're trying to do is push that out as much as we can. And, and to me, the biggest thing is to have a good working environment as well, to um, – from me on down uh, to my command staff to ensure that officers want to come to work because they respect the supervisors and the leadership 
um, that they work for. That's, uh, that's very important to me um, and create that environment. And that's not to say that I won't hold them accountable. I, absolutely, I will. But I, I'll do it in a professional manner um, as opposed to um, maybe other cities and other, you know, leaders, commanders have different ways of, of you know, uh, addressing discipline, um, maybe not so professional. It's what I've seen in my 35 years in law enforcement. <clears throat> and I always vow not to be that person. Uh, we're going to go to the phones in just a moment. We've got uh, uh, some callers who uh, have a question for you. But before we do, so hang in there. Uh, Richard, in particular, hang in there. I'll be with you in just a minute. Uh, I want to dovetail off of your answer here uh, in, in recruiting and the perception that's out there, not only here in Reading, but all across the country, uh, that we talked about off air, that uh, uh, the perception that the public has now about uh, police uh, over the last couple of years and how that has changed. What do you communicate to recruits to get them to understand uh, or to help them to overlook that issue uh, and overcome that uh, the problem of that perception? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing, uh, but um, obviously you got to take pride in what you're doing, um, you know, and just kind of just uh, continue to push uh, training uh, for the officers um, to continue to want to, to be a leader mm -hmm. uh, in the future. Um, to understand that uh, it's it's few in the community that feel that way, and we just got to continue to um, engage in the community to show them um, who we really are, and for the community not to judge us based on what happened in you know another state somewhere else in the nation, um, and just you know going back to my first point, just doing everything that we do excellent in an excellent uh, fashion, um, everything that we do, um, so that way. You know, the community sees that um, we're, we're different. We're, we're better than those folks, um, officers that decided to do the wrong thing out there in some other con you know, or, or state. So um, just to keep pushing them to, you know, engage and to keep pushing them to, to continue to train for that next step and um, just to be professional at all times. How do you assess the, the morale in the department now? Um, well, you know, I... I in the research that I've done, you know, obviously uh, morale has been an issue because of the things that I've mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm doing small things uh, to, to try and help uh, build that. Um, Can you share with us some uh, of the things that you're doing? Uh, just doing simple things. I, I call it like low-hanging fruit. You know, um, if the officers want to, you know, carry a taser on their vest versus on the belt because it's more comfortable, I can change that policy. That's not a problem. Okay. Um, Something as simple as painting the hallway, you know, and, and, you know, putting, you know, nice, you know, police-related stuff on the wall mm -hmm. to make them feel comfortable when they're coming into work. Uh, just small policy changes, small things like that. Um, and then obviously, you know, going back to uh, my leadership style, I'm very approachable, uh, and I want to really create that great working environment for them. And so those are small things that I can do um, to, to make it a better place for them. My guest this morning is uh, Reading's new police chief, uh, Elias Vasquez. And uh, our phone number here, if you have a question for the chief, is 610-374-8800 or toll-free, 888-401-0459. And Richard's been waiting patiently on the line. Richard, thank you so much for, for being patient. What's your question for my guest? Thank you, but I'm not a saint. I don't have the patience of a saint. <laughs> thank you very much, you guys. And uh, I want to say congratulations to you on your 23-plus years of service, Bill, and uh, Chief, sir, 
Yes, sir. Mr. Vasquez, I think it is. Yes, Eli. I you call me Eli. Wrong. I'm a little rusty on that. We could be on a first uh, name basis, no problem, Eli. Oh yeah, well, okay. All right, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, I was growing up and uh, interested in the police department, and I got into the auxiliary police in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and moved down here to Reading, and I got on the auxiliary police down here in Reading when they had that back way west with the uh, Crime Watch, Citizens Watch. And then I went into uh Department of Justice with the uh, prison system down in Graterford, then in the military, and then the Postal Service. So I know we got to stick together as a community, neighborhood, neighbors. And uh, uh, is there any chance of the auxiliary police coming back? I don't want pay. I don't. That's, I never did want pay to be an auxiliary. We just want to help out. Well, I don't. You know, like I said, I'm fairly new here. I don't know what their rules are here in Pennsylvania regarding that, uh, but I don't think that there's an auxiliary or reserve program here. I know we had it in Tampa. Uh, works out quite well over there. I'd have to you know, do some research on that. Um, obviously, we have explorers, um, and that's good for the youth as well, so you know, to get them to eventually be, become police officers. Um, and then we have the Youth Academy um, uh, that we've been running since uh, I believe it's 2017. Those are great things, but um, I would have to get more information on auxiliary and reserve um, officer positions. Not sure they uh, exist here. Richard, did you have a follow-up? I would have. No, I'm trying to hear this. I, I don't know if the phone or the internet going out and going wacko here. I'm on the old flip phone. Richard, did you have a follow-up? All right. Well, Richard, thanks for calling in. Appreciated your call. Thank you very much, sir. Carry on. All right. All right. God bless America. All right. Thank you, Richard. Bye-bye now. 610-374-8800. Toll-free, 888 We're going to take a break, but we'll be back with more with my guest, Reading's Police Chief, Eli Vasquez. So we'll be back with him in just a bit. Stay with us. Serving Paoli, Glenmore, Coatesville, and all of Chester County. This is News Talk 830, WEEU. The Voice, 830 WEEU weather. Here is the exclusive three-day AccuWeather forecast. Turning cloudy with a shower this afternoon and a high of 63. Then very cloudy, breezy, and mild tonight with a couple of showers and a low of 54. Tomorrow will be cloudy, breezy, and warm with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm, which can bring localized damaging wind gusts. High on Wednesday, 63. Then breezy Thursday morning, otherwise mostly sunny, high 42. This is Holly Holden reporting for News Talk 830 WEEU. At the Charles Evans Cemetery on Center Avenue, all types of burial facilities are available, including the cemetery, crematorium, columbarium, and mausoleum. This wide range of options is provided to give you the dignified and beautiful service that exactly meets your requirements. A nonprofit, non-sectarian cemetery, the Charles Evans Cemetery was founded and endowed for the people of our community and has ample space available to serve that purpose for many years to come. The Charles Evans Cemetery welcomes the opportunity to answer any questions you may have about their facilities. Write or call for an informative booklet with no obligation, of course. The Charles Evans Cemetery, Crematorium, Columbarium, and Mausoleum 
conveniently located at 1119 Center Avenue in Reading. If you need new windows or doors, Deluxe is the place to go. Let the Dennis family at Deluxe Window and Door update your home with beautiful maintenance-free windows and doors. Deluxe Window and Door is a local award-winning family business for over 69 years. Deluxe has windows and doors in all price ranges, expert installers, and a beautiful showroom at 2101 Penn Avenue in West Lawn. Visit their website at deluxewindowanddoor.com. Are you feeling hungry? Then come to Why I'm Missing Bakery and Restaurant for breakfast or lunch. The best bakery and buffet in Berks County with fresh fried chicken to homemade donuts, they got you covered. And you can even order off the menu. Everything is fresh, never frozen, and always homemade from scratch. The Why I'm Missing Restaurant and Bakery is open daily from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. For the full menu and specials, go to whyimmissingrestaurantandbakery.com. Get your feast on today, located at 1245 Penn Avenue in Why I'm Missing. If your home comfort system isn't doing the job you expect, turn to the experts. All Temp Enterprise, your carrier factory authorized dealer, is locally owned and operated with the carrier products that you need and the certified technicians it takes to be an official carrier factory authorized dealer. Expect the best. Call All Temp Enterprise at 610-796-1233. That's 610-796-1233. PA 1187. Your WEEU Greater Berks Region Allergy, Air Quality, and Health Report. As you probably heard the weather forecasts saying, a pretty big dose of spring fever coming this week with unseasonably mild temperatures. With that will come a touch of spring-like air with less mixing. However, a breezy flow should keep the air quality generally not too bad. Thinking low-end moderate air quality for the first half of the week, subject to modification, so check back for future updates throughout the week. Won't be long till temperatures like this kick off our pollens if this keeps up. Health-wise, a bad stomach bug making its round around the Northeast. I'm Monsoon Mike. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU, the voice of Berks and beyond. <laughs> Welcome back to Feedback here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond. News Talk 830 WEEU, Bill Saunders, along with my guest this morning, Reading's new police chief, Eli Vasquez, is here and he's taking your questions at 610-374-8800 or toll free, 888-401-0459. And Eli, uh, we were talking about the goals that uh, that you were hoping yes, to accomplish here, and I think you got uh, through a couple. Yeah. Uh, what other goals are, have you set for yourself? Here. Well, obviously, um, crime prevention and crime reduction is re very important. Um, I just uh, want to make sure that we're uh, using a data-driven approach to um, crime reduction um, and how we um, uh, fight crime. Um, that uh, we're sharing that intel with you know our officers from you know from command on all the way down, uh, and that we're doing you know what I call pinpoint policing, um, focusing on that small. Uh, group of offenders that commit most of the crime. Most most folks don't you know understand, um, and sometimes the perception is that oh there's you know there's a, you know a lot of offenders throughout the mm -hmm. entire city. It's a small group usually, okay. um, and you can argue the numbers usually it's like six to seven percent commit about seventy to eighty percent of the crimes, and you know today's robbers, tomorrow's burglars, you know that that's how it, it feed they feed off of you know those crimes. Um, so focusing on that, that pinpoint policing on those 
uh, offenders and trying to get them away from you know the community um, whether that's you know uh, sending them to prison if that's what it calls for or uh, putting them in uh, programs or, or what have you um, so that way we're not over policing in a community and um, the other part of that is to get the community involved in helping us fight crime um, because they know the community better than we do they live there mm-hmm. so um, trying to gar- garner that uh, intel from them is very important um, and obviously working with the the, the, the um, district attorney uh, their investigators as well um, they work very well with our investigators and that intel sharing is extremely important in fighting crime now I want to I want to uh, get more from you here on getting community help in locating these uh, these criminals uh, how are, how do you do that when you're, you're facing uh, a public perception of people who are afraid of the police? Well, I mean, I don't think there's that many folks out there in the community that are afraid of the police. Okay. What they're afraid of is retaliation if they give that information up. Um, so we have to provide different portals to, to get them to give us that information. And that, that comes by just making contact with the community. Having um, We're talking about community conversations. That's something that we did in Tampa. Uh, there are smaller uh, groups, neighborhood watch meetings, um, for better, uh, lack of a be- better term. Um, and then we, instead of them coming to us in a location that we pick, we go to their neighborhoods in whatever location they would want to meet. Um, and it's usually smaller groups, um, but that's how we start to get that information uh, little by little. And obviously having numbers where they can call and, and give us anonymous you know, information, um, all those type of things uh, help. Get, getting uh, the, the communities to invite you into their neighborhoods Correct. to come talk to them. Are right. you going to set up a, a phone number that they can contact you to say, hey, we'd love to have you come well, out? We, or? we do have numbers where they can uh, call us now, but uh, I'm, I'm working with the staff to set up these, these meetings that, um, that I want to implement here okay. as well. Okay. All right, we've got a couple of people on the line who have a question for you right now. Let's uh, start with, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, Oh, nope, nope, I'm sorry. He's still on the line with our, with our producer. So well, let me go back to this. Uh, we were talking offline about uh, youth offenders, and you were talking about uh, meeting with the, uh, with the school officials here. Sh- share with me a little bit more yeah, about I, that. I, I'm going to be meeting uh, with the superintendent here probably next week sometime, but just to try and find out what, what we can do as a police department to better engage uh, in the school systems and uh, with the uh, students as well. Um, you know, we don't want to be in the schools um, looking to just arrest kids for just anything. We're, we want to be there to build bridges uh, between us and, and to educate them on what we do um, and to get back to the point where we're in the classrooms teaching them about, you know, crime and, and about different things that are, interest, are of interest to them. Um, so just have that engagement with the uh, students. That's, that's really what we want to focus on. Okay. How about nuisance crimes? I mean, they're, they're out there. Um, the focus is what I call focus on, on the bigger crimes, because when you focus on uh, bigger crimes, that, you know, that's what really reduces, you know, the, your overall crime rate. Um, but, um, uh, you know, obviously we have to address those issues. You know, we address them, you know, as, as we get the complaints in, you know. Uh, 610-374-8800 or toll-free, 888 Let's see if we can go to the phones now. Uh, and uh, let's see here. Uh, no, I guess he's still on the line there. All right, let me put him back on hold. 
Must be a serious question. <laughs> man, oh, man, yeah, he's been on the line with, with one caller. If, 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 folks, if you call in, uh, please don't don't keep my producer on the line for a long period of time because we've got a lot of people who are calling in and, and uh, their calls aren't being answered uh, as a result of that. So uh, be cognizant of that because uh, these lines are primarily for our talk show. Uh, instead, let's take a break here uh, while we wait for uh, some of the uh, listeners to uh, get online here with us. My guest this morning is Reading's new police chief, Eli Vasquez. And our phone numbers here are 610-374-8800 or toll free, 888-401-0459. More feedback comes your way in just a bit. Serving Myerstown, Fredericksburg, Newmanstown, and all of Lebanon County. This is News Talk 830, WEEU. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU, the voice of Berks and beyond. Welcome back to Feedback on this uh, Tuesday morning. My guest this morning is Reading's new police chief, Eli Vazquez, is with me for the rest of the hour, taking your questions at 610-374-8800 or toll-free, 888-401-0459. Let's go to the phones right now. Tony in Exeter has a question for you. Tony, good morning. Welcome to Feedback. Good morning. Morning, Chief. Uh, Good morning. I wanted to ask you something. What's the um, Reading Police Department policy on any illegal immigrants that you may encounter that's involved in a crime or not even in a crime if you encounter them? Do they get turned over to uh, immigration or how do you handle it? And if I may, Chief, I'd like to know how it differs from Tampa because I've, we vacation in Tampa. I love the area and we go down there quite often. So uh, I was just curious about that. Yeah, How do you deal with illegal immigrants? Yeah, Tampa is a nice, uh, nice city to visit for sure. <laughs> um, so it's the same as uh, in Tampa. We don't uh, enforce, um, you know, immigration policies. That's a federal issue. Let them uh, deal with that. Um, obviously, if they commit a serious crime, we have to, you know, deal with it then. Uh, but we're not actively, you know, um, rounding up or. Uh, you know, giving information uh, to the federal government about that. Um, we're here to protect and serve everybody that's here, and that's what we care about is serving the community, uh, engaging with them as well. Um, we don't want them to be afraid to uh, report crime. That's been an issue not only he you know here in, in Reading but in Tampa as well and throughout the nation as well where they're afraid um, to report crime if they're a victim, and we don't want them uh, to be there at that, you know, uh, afraid to, to, to report anything. Um, so um, we're not going to enforce those, um, you know, laws. Uh, we're, we obviously, you know, uh, if it's a serious crime, like I said, we'll, we'll deal with it then. But uh, that's a case-by-case -case, um, uh, basis. Thank you, Tony. Appreciated the call today. Let's go to uh, Stephen, who has a question for you, Chief. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. All right. What's your I, question? I am blessed. I am, quite frankly, still alive after everything that's happened in the last couple of years. Um, no, I, I have a question, um, and I try not to make it like a lawyer legal question, but I um, <clears throat> I was interrupted in my afternoon because this woman um, was knocking on my door and asking me for help, and she's bleeding like crazy, apparently 
the neighbor, who thank God is gone now, um, had like punched her in the nose, and so she comes over and she's screaming, "He's gonna kill me! He's gonna kill me!" And yeah, so this is fun. So I, um, I, I go out and face off with him and tell him, like, you know, you got to get off my property. Meanwhile, um, my brother's calling the cops, and they do show up, like, and God bless them, the Stadies, like three minutes later. But in that three minutes, it's just me and him. And luckily, he's not escalating with me, but I don't know what's going to happen. So what is my uh, legal exposure, and do I do I have the backing of the men in blue? Well, I mean, you could always defend yourself, but I wouldn't recommend going out there and confronting anybody who's um, that violent if he really beat her up that bad. Um, I would just call 911 and just um, stay put where you are. If you needed to help her and let her in your in your place until the police got there, that's what I would suggest. But it's never a good idea to go and confront um, anybody that's that violent, um, unless it's a life and death situation. But um, uh, obviously, if you defend yourself, you know we're, we're going to investigate and we're going to get all the facts. And you know, sure, we'll back you up if if you're in the right. But um, uh, why would you want to put yourself in that situation? Um, you know, when you have the police officers that that can handle that, Steve, should should handle that. Stephen, thank you for your question today. Appreciate you taking the time to call. Got an email from uh, Jim in Shillington, and it reads as follows: Chief, any plans on retaining current officers who are nearing retirement? Any incentives? Uh, he goes on to say, Reading loses good officers on retirement and going to work for surrounding municipalities. How, how do you respond to that? Um, obviously, if they're in the drop program, deferred retirement option plan, um, you know, we can't avoid that. It's, uh, you're in that program for five years, and that's it. Okay. And, and you gotta you got to leave. Um, I wouldn't want to lose anybody, in particular now, because uh, we're down, you know, 26 officers. But, uh, yeah, they do go to you know, different agencies and to the district uh, uh, attorney's office sometimes. Um, and it's good to continue to have that experience locally. I'd rather have that if I'm going to lose them for them to stay local so that we are still able to cooperate with one another and um, share intelligence and whatnot. Um, but there's really not much we can do once they reach that point of drop. Um, they're just going to move on. Let me ask you, Vic, we started off today's show talking about a, a, a community in neighboring Montgomery County, Jenkintown, uh, and they're looking now at uh, possibly joining up with uh, another municipality nearby, Cheltenham uh, or uh, Abingdon, uh, and and doing away with their own police department. They've got 11 officers on, on in their department now. And they're spending four hundred thousand dollars a year, and they're looking to try and cut down mm-hmm. on their expenses. What are your thoughts, if you have any? What are your thoughts on regional policing? Um, they they have that in Tampa, um, um, Miami Dade was sort of like that, and they okay. they kind of combined forces, a big agency. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it all depends on your situation, you know, the city finances and whatnot. Um, I know that um, in Kenhurst, you know, it's a small town. We, we provide two officers there. 
uh, to help uh, police that area. Um, so it does happen. You know, you, uh, all you have to do is you know, draft up uh, an MOU, and if it's okay with your officials, city officials, city council, the mayor, um, it can be done. Uh, but, um, you know, we're not um, – looking to do that anywhere else right now at this point but um, it does happen town hall meetings do you have any that uh, are are on the calendar now that you can share with us at this point um well they're they happen um every now and then they had one a couple months ago and that's the one i went to but um i'm going to continue doing those in addition to the smaller community conversation meetings i want to continue doing that and those are a little bit more formal uh so uh, we have to plan the next ones coming up Okay. Uh, we've got uh, an organization here in Berks County. It's Crime Alert Berks County. Are you familiar with the organization? I heard, yeah, I heard a, little, a little bit about it, yes. Have you met with anybody from no, that group yet. yet? I'm still in the process of meeting. <laughs> it's week three, so it's, it's a lot of meetings. That I, I can imagine. To, so. <laughs> how about how about District Attorney John Adams? Have you yes, had a chance yes, to meet good with man, him? Good man. I did meet with him for about an hour and a half. Um, a lot of good things uh, that uh, he said about the police department make me feel good about it. Um, and um, he, um, you know, he uh, he's a great source of obviously um, knowledge and experience, and, and I look forward to leaning on him for uh, you know for the future here. Um, if I ever um, need any help with anything here uh, in, in Reading PD, you said that he said some good things about the department. Can you share with us? Uh, just uh, the investigators that uh, he has. Uh, most of them have come from Reading PD. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, because of the drop program that we were talking about. Oh but, my, okay. But and that's what I mean by that. It's like it's great that that they already know the system. They already know how uh, the needs of the city, and it's great to have that uh, intelligence and that experience there locally that we can still use even though they're not with the reading police department they're they're there locally mm -hmm. uh, and just that we have a lot of great uh, investigators doing a great job and we do the uh your your predecessor was working on a uh on a list of the most dangerous intersections in the area and uh and, and i don't know where where that stood uh, and I know you've only been yeah. here a short while. Have you heard anything about that report? No, I have not, but I, I'll definitely look into that. Um, but uh, it's definitely something that, like, we would do in Tampa, just concentrate uh, on those areas that um, you know, where we have most of the issues with you know, speeding or crashes and whatnot. Um, it's very important to do that. Okay. Let's, uh, uh, well, while we're still waiting uh, for uh, a listener to uh, to get on the line here with us, well, let me ask you, uh, one more question about uh, uh, about the community uh, uh, organizations or community meetings. Um, and what have you found? And again, I know you've only been here for three weeks, but uh, any any other areas that you see that need to be improved upon here in Reading as far as the police department is concerned? Um, like I said, it's week three, like you said, um, and I'm still learning uh, who's who and what's what and what the issues are and who the key folks are in the community so that way I can get that information directly from them. Um, but, you know, we're just going to continue to try to engage and uh, continue to try to do those uh, meetings that I'm talking about. And um, I'm open to anyone. Uh, give me a phone call, come by the station. Um, to talk about whatever issues uh, they may have in the community. Okay. All right. Uh, and uh, let's go uh, back to the phones here. Barbara in Shillington's got a question for you. Barbara, good morning. Welcome to Feedback. What's your question for Chief Vasquez? Well, um, you know I live in Shillington, but I did live in the city for 30 years, and I left four years ago. 
And when I lived in the city, the problems with driving and parking and whatever were bad. But now it's gotten a lot worse. I know the city is probably dominantly Spanish people. I have nothing against them. But I wonder if they learn to drive here like the rest of the people in the county or in the city. Are they able to pass a driver's test? How do they get a license? They make U-turns on North 5th Street. They double park, which I understand the park is bad, probably worse now than when I lived there. But this is like 9th Street. I use 9th on a Sunday morning, Sunday morning yet, to go to church. And you start in the right lane because my church is on the right side of 9th. Well, then there's somebody double parked, so now you pull to your left. Then you've got to go back to the right because somebody else is double parked. And, of course, during the week, it's twice as bad. Um, speed limits. I don't know who sets what. I was told years ago that Route 12 in the area of Glenside is a city's problem. But the state makes uh, the, uh, yeah, the speed limit signs. And I called City Hall years ago and said, well, you buy a camera for each end of Route 12, and you'll pay for that, those cameras in a week because nobody drives through Glenside on Route 12 anywhere from 45 to 50 miles an hour, which is the speed limit. So why bother? All right, let's, uh, let's leave it at that because we're running out of time here. Barbara, thanks for your, your call. And, uh, I mean, traffic violations, uh, everybody, uh, any yeah, race uh, yeah. is, is responsible for that. Uh, but uh, what, what would I be mean, your response? As far as bad drivers, we have bad drivers everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely. have in Tampa. It doesn't matter what race they are. Right. Um, all I can tell you about traffic is, you know, we're always um, trying to look at the three E's, I say, the engineering, education, and enforcement. You know, obviously, if you have an engineering issue, if you need a stop sign, you don't have a stop sign, then we need to talk to, you know, the council and, and, and you know, city government about maybe installing a stop sign. Or if there's, you know, a light that's read too long, those type of things, you have to work on that, you know. Um, and we do have a traffic unit that pay attention uh, to that. Uh, but obviously education, you know, we have an issue. We go out there, we try to educate, we stop people, let them know, hey, you know, this is a violation. Please try to, you know, slow down or what have you. Um, and then the third piece would be enforcement. You know, once, once you know, we put enough time out there educating folks and letting them know, hey, you know, we're going to start enforcing the law here, um, you know, as far as speeding or, you know, tr you know running a uh, traffic light or what have you, um, then we start issuing citations. Um, but, you know, bad drivers are everywhere. That's true. <laughs> Eli Vasquez, uh, Redding's new uh, police chief, who is my guest this morning. Thank you so much for coming in yes, today. Appreciated that. And uh, we were talking off air about the possibility of having you come in on a quarterly sure, basis. Is to. that fine? Absolutely. Thanks again. Yes, sir. And again, welcome, service. To, welcome to Reading. All right. Thank you. All right. And we'll be back with the uh, final moments of hour number two of Feedback in just a bit. Stay with us. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU, the voice of Berks and Beyond. All right, that wraps up the second hour of this Tuesday edition of Feedback. You're on Air Town Square. Hour number three comes your way in just a bit, but right now we're going to break for news with Radio PA and ABC, followed by sports with our own Bob McCool. 
It's all here on the voice of Burks and Beyond. News Talk 830 WEEU in Reading. Thank you for making us part of your day today. Stay right where you are. We'll be back in just a bit. to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU, the voice of Berks and beyond. Welcome back as we kick off the third and final hour of this Tuesday edition of Feedback. You're on air town square here on the voice of Burks and Beyond News Talk 830 WEEU. Good morning, everyone. I'm Bill Saunders, along with Sean Tansky, my producer today. 610-374-8800, toll free, 888-401-0459 are our numbers. And by the way, uh, Sean, uh, on uh, Friday, you're going to present a new segment that we're going to do every Friday, right? Uh, yes, that is correct. And share with the folks what you're going to be doing. Uh, so I'm going to be uh, researching a bunch of different topics that the uh, younger demographic around my age has uh, taken issue with in the political landscape. Bill, I know that's something you want. You want a, a younger perspective. And right. So I'm going to be compiling different topics each week and be presenting them Friday about, hey, here's what people my age are uh, thinking about in this, uh, you know, political landscape here with the upcoming election and anything that uh, I see that a younger demographic has taken up interest with. Cool. Looking forward to the uh, first one you do this Friday, buddy. I'm very excited. I'm very excited for you, buddy. That's uh, Sean Tansky, my new producer. And I'm looking forward to hearing that segment on Friday's Feedback Show. By the way, here's something else I'm very excited about. 20 days till spring. Hard to believe. Well, no, not so hard to believe when you're looking at temperatures, what, of uh, 55 degrees right now, working its way up to 63? <laughs> I'll take it. I'm, I'm certainly not a fan of winter. As I was talking to uh, Chief Vasquez, uh, I said, you know, I, I would probably want to go from Reading down to uh, uh, down to Tampa uh, instead of from Tampa up here. Um, but uh, but we're glad to have him here in Reading, and it, and it was a delight to have him in studio here with me uh, for the hour. And uh, as we said uh, in the last hour, he's going to be with us. We're going to work it out where uh, we make that a quarterly visit uh, from the uh, police chief. So look forward to that here on. Uh, W-E-E-U. Uh, interesting, there, there's a congressman who represents your county. His name is uh, Scott Perry. He's a member of one of the far-right wings of the Republican Party, that Freedom Caucus that you've probably heard a lot about. Well, he's made a request, that, and I want to get your take on this, because I don't think I've ever heard of any uh, any politician, regardless of what party, ever suggesting this. But according to The Hill, Perry is calling on Speaker Mike Johnson to stop President Biden from giving his annual State of the Union address next month. 
Perry says said during an appearance Monday on Fox Business that Republicans should use the opportunity to ramp up pressure on the president over the southern border amid an influx of migrants. Here's, here's what he said. We need to use every single point of leverage. The president comes at the invitation of Congress, and Republicans are in control of the House. There's no reason that we need to invite him to get more propaganda and actually blame the American people for the crisis he's caused. Okay. Perry is a retired National Guard general. He previously has said he doesn't think Biden is mentally competent to continue leading the country. He told Fox News back on February 11th, it's abusive what's being done using him to be the president. And I don't know that he's making many decisions. There's a lot of people around him that I fear are making those decisions. That's uh, Scott Perry, Representative Scott Perry, saying that. I'd like to take, get your take on that. He says that uh, con- uh, the Republicans are in control of the House. Well, for now they are. But if they continue doing things like this, and I hope Mike Johnson turns a deaf ear to this request. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this? 610-374-8800, toll free, 888 This is something that is done every year where the House invites the president to come and share with the nation uh, where the country stands at that point and what the president's plans are for the coming year. It's always been done. Uh, but to even suggest that, that uh, the Republicans should tell the president he's, his, uh, his invitation has been taken back, uh, I just don't think that, uh, that that is appropriate. And I'd love to hear from you on what you think about that. Speaking of the House, uh, I teased this uh, earlier in the show. This is an article from Politico. The headline reads, A shutdown is approaching. Biden and Johnson's lack of relationship isn't helping. So I'm not going to read the whole piece, but let me share with you part of this. President Biden and House Speaker Mike Johnson have virtually no relationship. The two men holding the most powerful elected positions in the country have rarely talked. They don't know each other. They're decades apart in age and miles apart in political philosophy, Politico writes. Their lack of a meaningful relationship, let alone any relationship at all, has contributed to political friction and standstills over the past few months. But it's putting an additional strain on the nation's government this week, as both Biden and Johnson barrel toward another government funding deadline, which is coming up on Friday, and into a third year of war in Ukraine, as the underfunded country fights off Russia. The White House has not taken Johnson up on his request for a one-on-one meeting, but the two are likely to square off sometime today if it hasn't already occurred when the four congressional leaders meet at the White House where the president plans to discuss both the supplemental and government funding. The theory that Washington best works on interpersonal relations is a bit of a glamorized and outdated view of politics, writes Politico. One doesn't need to have tight friendships with lawmakers in order to win their votes, they report. But for Biden, at least, glad-handing and human connection is core to his identity. And one of the ways that he reportedly viewed his presidency as different from that of Barack Obama's. He's prided himself on his personal engagement with the Hill, including with Republicans there. That he lacks those variables with the House Speaker is no small matter, Politico reports. And then there's Nikki Haley. 
Uh, and I've got a soundbite here on uh, Nikki Haley that I want to share with you. Um, there's a, an op-ed piece, or, or a column, actually, that appears in USA Today. And again, I'm not going to read the whole piece, but it's written by Ingrid Jacques. And the headline reads, Nikki Haley says she's a voice for dissatisfied voters. I'm not doing this to be vice president. Now, before I read uh, Ms. Jacques' piece, uh, let's first hear what Nikki Haley said during a recent campaign rally. Son of Americans think Donald Trump and Joe Biden are too old to be running for president. Do we really want to have a country in disarray and a world on fire? And have our two candidates be in their 80s? Because we need someone who can put in eight years of hard work day and night Focus on real solutions for the American people, not vendettas, not drama, just results for the American people. That's what everybody wants. That's Nikki Haling during a a recent campaign rally. And here's what Ms. Jacques has to write about uh, Ms. Haley. Just a day after a sizable loss in her home state of South Carolina... Nikki Haley made her case on Sunday to Michigan, ahead of this state's Republican presidential primary, which is today, by the way. Haley's not giving up, despite losing every primary contest thus far to former President Donald Trump. The former South Carolina governor and U.S. ambassador to the United Nations has chosen to continue standing for the significant number of Americans who aren't satisfied with the current frontrunners in South Carolina. She garnered roughly 40 percent of the vote there, as she did in New Hampshire. In an interview with uh, Jacques ahead of her Sunday evening rally, Haley said she's the Republican Party's best hope to beat President Joe Biden in November. And that's her number one goal, writes Ingrid Jacques. I'm continuing this fight because 70 percent of Americans don't want to see Donald Trump or Joe Biden, Haley said. If you look at the early states, 40 percent of Republican voters have rejected Donald Trump. If you're the Republican technical incumbent, that doesn't bode well for the Republican Party, she said. And so as long as there is this group of Americans that are saying we want better, I feel a duty to keep on fighting, she said. I feel a duty to keep on showing a voice. As with the earlier primary states, Trump holds a dominant lead in Michigan over Haley by about 50 points. But Haley isn't letting the polls slow her down, and she said she'll stay in the race at least through Super Tuesday, which is set for March 5th. That's when 16 states and one territory are scheduled to vote. Her ability to keep campaigning hinges uh, hinges on how much money she has on hand. Haley has kept posting strong fundraising numbers, which points to the dissatisfaction among many voters. She was dealt a blow Sunday, however, when Americans for Prosperity Action, that's the conservative powerhouse associated with billionaire Charles Koch, announced it would end its financial support of her campaign after Saturday's loss in South Carolina. Given what all the polls show about dissatisfaction with both Trump and Biden, it's jarring that the country is likely to again face that choice in November, one so many people say they don't want, writes Ingrid Jacques. Well, with that said, there's an interesting piece that appears in The Hill. We've talked about no labels, that third party uh, that uh, keeps lingering out there. And and the thought was that uh, uh, once Joe Manchin... 
uh, the uh, current uh, Democratic senator from West Virginia, once he said he's not going to run for president this year, despite all of the signs that indicated he would, uh, the thought was that no, no labels would go away. Well, according to The Hill, Joe Cunningham, who is national director for the political organization No Labels, said Sunday that Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley is, quote, somebody we'd definitely be interested in as a potential candidate to lead a third-party ticket in the 2024 general election. Wow, there's something I didn't see coming. Now, of course, Nikki Haley says she's a Republican all the way through. Uh, and she's remaining in the race at least through March 5th. So uh, it remains to be seen whether, first and foremost, Mr. Cunningham is serious. It sounds like he is, that he'd like to see Nikki Haley switch parties and and run on the new labels ticket. But would she really want to do that, or is she really running uh, for better chances in 2028? What are your thoughts on that? Love to hear from you on this. 610-374-8800 or toll free if you're calling from out of the area. 888-401-0459. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU, the voice of Burks and Beyond. Well, did you hear about the controversy that uh, veteran sportscaster Bob Costas uh, created uh, the other day on CNN? If you didn't, we're going to share a clip of uh, his conversation with uh, Michael Smirkanish uh, that happened on CNN. He weighed in on the uh, presidential election. Yeah, sportscaster weighing in on politics. And I don't believe this is the first time that Bob Costas has, uh, has done so. Uh, but he's got comments uh, aimed at uh, both Trump and Biden. And uh, I'd love to get your take. Those of you who are Trump supporters, I'd love to get your take on what Costas has to say here in a clip I'm going to play in a minute. And then Biden followers, what your thoughts are of what uh, he had to say about Joe Biden. So uh, without uh, any further ado, let, let's play this clip. It's a little long, uh, but here's Bob Costas on CNN with Michael Smirkanish. You come at this from a position of not wanting to see Trump get elected. You should state that at the outset. True? Yes, absolutely. He is by far the most disgraceful figure in modern presidential history. He's only become more disgraceful since 2016 and since 2020. He is a bubbling cauldron of loathsome traits, and it's only those who are actually suffering from Trump derangement syndrome, which is the way they and Fox News and all the rest of MAGA media try to brush aside all the legitimate criticisms of Trump, you have to be in the throes of some sort of toxic delusion in a toxic cult to believe that Donald Trump has ever been, in any sense, emotionally, psychologically, intellectually, or ethically fit to be president of the United States. But his supporters are locked in on that. There is no cult of Joe Biden. Even, just let me finish this thought, Michael, even if he had not run explicitly with the pledge that he would be a one-term president, even if halfway through this term he had said, look, I've done my job, I have some policy successes, I'll continue to do my job, and now the Democrats can get, as I said before, some people up in the bullpen and sort through it. He had a chance. 
to be seen as a statesman and a patriot. Now his legacy is likely to be that of a man whose hubris prevented him from seizing the moment in an appropriate way. And at best, he can squeak by Trump. That's at best. Or he could lose to Trump and subject the nation to four more years of this kind of ongoing insanity. Or if he squeaks by, it's very likely that he cannot complete his second term. He'd be 86 at the end of it. Is it possible that you're not giving the incumbent his just due? I'm going to put up on the screen and I'll read aloud so that you know what I'm talking about. Stuart Stevens is a mm-hmm. former Republican political consultant now with the Lincoln Project. Quote, the stock market is hitting record highs. Unemployment is at a record low with 14 million new jobs. Talk to small business owners. The biggest problem they're facing is finding workers. He goes on to talk about infrastructure, prescription drugs, gas prices, and says... Joe Biden has assembled a hell of a record. No one's giving him credit for that. I think he's getting some credit for it, but here's the key. He cannot make that case for himself. He cannot make a clear, cogent, vigorous case for himself, nor can he prosecute the obvious case against Trump in the court of public opinion. Gavin Newsom frequently goes on these programs, like yours, uh, and makes a very articulate and detailed case for President Biden. But all it makes me and millions of others think is Biden is incapable of uttering even two consecutive sentences of the five perfect paragraphs that Newsom just put together. And I think Nate Silver, you quoted earlier, uh, saying that he's got to get out there and do four interviews with unfriendly or at least uh, down the middle, not softball interviews. But the problem with that is his own staff knows that he has to be bubble wrapped, that he can't do a Super Bowl interview. It's sad to say Biden is obviously on balance a decent man. He served his country. And no matter what, sane people will vote for him over Trump. But it's a hell of a risk to send this guy out there. Trump is a monster. You shouldn't send this guy out there at this point in his life to try and slay the dragon. Bob, I know the reaction that you will receive. I'm sure that you've already received from in a, can, in a, a way with candor expressing yourselves expressing yourself. Mm -hmm. You obviously believe that it's something you have to do, right? I mean, speak to the reaction that you've heard and your willingness to endure the criticism and say these things. You know, look, most of my career has been in sports. I think fair-minded people who are familiar with it know, however, that I'm reasonably conversant with other topics. But as I said at the top with Bill Maher, this is Emperor's New Clothes stuff. Uh, If people aren't familiar with the fairy tale, the emperor was naked, no one wanted to say it, a little child was able to say it. This is common sense stuff. And as a concerned citizen, I feel as if I was on Bill Maher, I didn't know for sure what he'd ask. He asked me the question, I told him what I'd been thinking about for years, I think that resonates with many people. Of course there are people who say, and this is the card they've been playing for a long time, yeah, we kind of know it's true, but don't say that. That will only help Donald Trump. Well, how feckless are the Democrats? If they realize that this guy could possibly lose to Trump, then get somebody else out there. You don't go into the Super Bowl with a quarterback who has a dead arm or the seventh game of the World Series and people are more comfortable with me talking in sports terms. You don't do it. This is just so obvious. I know that I receive criticism by having this type of a conversation and people will say, you're electing Donald Trump. And my response is to say, Mm -hmm. no, you're electing Donald Trump if you have a candidate who's not up to the task and you don't think anyone else is noticing. You get the final word, but you've only got 30 seconds. 
Well, a final word. I'll remind people what they shouldn't have to be reminded of concerning Trump. What his former uh, chief of staff said, John Kelly, the depth of his dishonesty is astonishing. He is a person who has no idea what America is all about, a person who has nothing but contempt for our democratic institutions, our Constitution, and the rule of law. God help us all. The Trump delusion is not going away on the right, but sane Democrats have to offer a compelling alternative. Biden, for all he has accomplished and for all his basic decency, is not a compelling figure any longer. Now, that's Bob Costas. Uh, talking with Michael Smirkanish on uh, Smirkanish's uh, CNN program recently. Uh, so the question here is, I mean, let me rephrase or let, let me repeat what uh, uh, what Costas had to say about Trump followers. It's, it's one thing uh, as to what he said about Donald Trump. But what I really would like to, to focus on here is on how he described Trump followers. Here, here's what Bob Costas said in this interview that we just concluded. You have to be in some sort of toxic delusion, in a toxic cult, to believe that Donald Trump has ever been in any sense emotionally, psychologically, intellectually, or ethically fit to be president of the United States. So I I pose this question to Trump supporters. Do you feel you are in some sort of toxic delusion, in a toxic cult, because you believe uh, in Donald Trump, and you support Donald Trump, for one thing. And again, those are Bob Costas's words, not mine. Then for Biden followers, uh, now he was more uh, a complimentary of, of Joe Biden than, he, than he'd ever be of Donald Trump, clearly. But here's what Bob Costas had to say about Biden. He said, Biden must step aside, no longer a compelling alternative to Trump. So my question to Biden supporters, is he right? Is Biden no longer a compelling alternative to Trump? And if so, why are Democrats continuing to support Joe Biden? All right, our phone numbers here are 610-374-8800, toll-free, 888-401-0459. Now, with that said, you, you heard the name Gavin Newsom mentioned during that interview. Let me share something with you about this, and then we'll, uh, then we'll take a break here. This from the Washington Examiner. Some of the same activists who attempted to oust Governor Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, back in 2021 during a recall are going to try again. This citizen-led group will serve Newsom's office with recall papers uh, on Monday, according to Politico. I, I assume uh, they meant yesterday. The latest attempt spearheaded by Rescue California, points to Newsom's latest ambitions as governor and his role as campaign surrogate for President Biden's re-election campaign. The group says Newsom is too busy focusing on national politics and ignoring a budget shortfall in California. Here's what Ann Dunsmore, a campaign director for Rescue California, had to say. Gavin Newsom has abandoned the state to advance his presidential ambitions, leaving behind a $73 billion budget deficit and a public safety, immigration, and education crisis. Dunsmore said more than 400 Californians have joined as proponents of the latest recall effort. And, of course, we will keep you updated on where that stands. Let's go to the phones right now. Uh, Let's go up to Pottsville and speak with Roy this morning. Roy, good morning. Welcome to Feedback. 
Good morning. Uh, nice to be on feedback today. I'm finding myself in a quandary. I know I said I was in Pottsville, but I'm actually in a quandary. Uh, <laughs> I, voted, I voted for Trump in 2016 and 2020. But I'm not going to vote for him again in 2024. Neither do I want to vote for Biden, because I don't think he can make it through another term of office. And if he if he can't make it through another term of office, then we're stuck with Kamala Harris. And that's not a good idea at all. So I don't know what to do. I mean, I I feel I should vote, but, but for who? I'm, I'm liking Nikki Haley more and more. Um, Would you vote for Nikki Haley if she were on this uh, no labels ticket? Yes. Yes, I would. Although I wish she'd win the Republican ticket, but it's not going to happen. And and I want to ask you a question that we've talked about on this show in in uh, in, in the past here, in the not too distant past. What do you think the chances are if if Trump and and Biden end up being their respective parties' nominees? What do you think the chances are that a third party candidate could actually do it this time around and become president? Zero. Zero. Um, Third-party candidates don't normally do very well, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just nobody in leadership now who stands out. You know, we don't have any good leaders in this country. And isn't isn't that pitiful? It is pitiful. It really is. The quality of leadership has gone down tremendously, I don't know, since... Since JFK, maybe some people would say since Ronald Reagan, I, I don't know, but the, the quality of leadership is just really, really bad. And I myself, if I were in a position to, I would not want to run for president because man, they, they, things come out of your closet that weren't even there, you know. And uh, there's just nobody in their right mind who would want to run for president. Roy, thank you so much. I appreciate you weighing in today and taking the time to call into the show. Well, what should I do? Uh, should I not vote? I hope you not. Know? I hope that's not uh, the, the ultimate. But you know what I really fear is that a lot of Americans feel that same way, Roy, is that they're going to be so uh, upset and so disillusioned that they will sit this election out. And I And I just hope that's not the case. Well, I hope I don't have to, but I sure as heck don't want to vote for Trump again. What a sore loser he is. And uh, he uh, sometimes he scares me with all this, with all the stuff that he says. Now, now that uh, you thinking that way, Roy, if you had 2016 and 2020 to do all over again, would you have voted for Trump then? Yes. Yes, I would have. Something... I don't know. His real nature has come out in the last eight years. If you remember, you had had you had Trump against Hillary Clinton. I didn't want to, I didn't want Hillary Clinton in there, and I didn't want Joe Biden in there. So yeah, I would have voted for Trump again if I had it to do all over again. Thank you again for calling. I appreciate it, Roy. It was a pleasure talking with you today. Have a good day. You too. Bye bye now. Let's go to uh, Sinking Spring and get Mike's take on uh, this Bob Costas quote. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to the show. Good morning. 
Uh, I have a series, a uh, small series of questions to ask you, and I'd like a uh, answer from you quickly so that we don't waste time. Uh, the oil, re- the strategic oil reserve. Now, when Trump was in office, he had that full. Biden started withdrawing oil from the strategic reserve, and he act- he had it below half full. I don't know where it's at now, but... Uh, in, in my estimation, the strategic oil reserve is was put in place for two reasons. If our oil got cut off or if we had to go to war, we had a reserve for, for wartime. Now, uh, I don't know what your thinking is on that, but uh, when Biden took office, he became a dictator, uh, shutting down uh, oil pipelines and... Uh, more or less dictating uh, what type of car you had, you were supposed to buy, uh, your uh, ranges in your kitchen, and uh, you know so forth. Now the, uh, there, there's you know uh, Trump never did that, and he I don't think he ever would. What what's your thought on that? Well, first and foremost, uh, addressing your question about the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Right now, the current level, based on my uh, uh, quick Google search here, the current level of the uh, Strategic Petroleum Reserve is 359.51 million gallons. That's up from 358.76 million gallons last week, but down from a year ago. So the change is a little over two-tenths of a percent from last week, but it's still off by a little over three percent, three and a quarter percent, actually, from a year ago. So we still have a ways to go with replenishing the oil. Now, yeah, as far as now, as far as just, now, as far yeah. as Trump versus Biden is concerned with the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, remember, gasoline was still what two dollars and something when Trump was in office. So he didn't need to dip into the reserve to make that uh, to make the price more affordable, uh, and therefore. Uh, make uh, his party more electable, which is what Don, uh, which is what uh, Joe Biden ended up doing because gasoline had gone, it was approaching $4 even higher in some cases, and he needed to do something quick. Yeah, well, Joe Biden was trying to buy votes by lowering the gas price. Right. And the, and the strategic oil reserve was not in place for, for that. It was in case of an emergency. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I, I, uh, next on my list here is Biden allowed that spy balloon to go all the way across our country, and they finally shot it down off the coast. Do you think Trump would have allowed that to happen? Now, are you talking about the weather the balloon? balloon? Are you I, are you talking about the one that was a year ago, or are you talking about the hobbyist balloon that uh, flew over the western part of the country? Uh, just last week. No, I'm talking about the one year ago. A year ago? Yeah, I, where they know it was a spy balloon. I, I, I'm not dodging your question when I answer, and I say this all the time, when it comes to a what-if question, I, I can't even answer that because I, I have no way of knowing. I wouldn't well, I wouldn't know how Trump would have handled it. I'm sure Trump wouldn't allow allowed that to happen. Uh, and then my next question is with... Uh, the Secretary of Defense, 
He said he made a mistake by not telling anybody that he was going in the hospital. Right. As far as I'm concerned, he didn't make a mistake. He screwed up Royal. Oh, I'll agree with you. I'll, I, I've never heard, uh, Mike, I've never heard of any cabinet member not only hiding their hospitalization from the public, but hiding it from the president, his boss. Well, uh, you know, he was in the service, and he knows there's a chain of command. Right. And he blew that big time. Yeah, he did. And uh, on on uh, Secretary of Defense, uh, the Army requested $3.1 billion for uh, replacing the 155 howitzer shells. And uh, it, uh, as far as he, him being a Secretary of Defense, this should this should have been monitored. And when the stocks were getting depleted, they should have went on uh, more or less overtime to replenish the the stocks. And it was just on Fox, I believe it was about a week ago, that they they finally decided they were going to up the the amount of 155 shells that are being produced. Mm -hmm. But if uh, Ukraine gets the money uh, that Biden wants for them, they'll go back to using more ammunition than what we're, what we're able to replace. All right, got to end it there, Mike. i got a commercial break i got to go to here. Thank you for your call today. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. All right, we'll be back with more feedback and your calls in just a bit. Stay with us. Serving Tamaqua, Pottsville, Pine Grove, and all of Schuylkill County. This is News Talk 830 WEEU. And now back to feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU. The voice of Burks and Beyond. Let's go back to the phones real quick here. Sue in Schwanksville wants to talk about the oil reserve discussion that I had with Mike. Sue, good morning. Welcome to Feedback today. Good morning. Yeah, I, I know you're short on time, so I just wanted to throw some quick facts at you. These facts come from something called thedispatch.com, April of 2022. According to this article, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve can hold 727 million barrels of of oil or whatever. I guess it's barrels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, barrels. And uh, when Trump was sworn into office, it was holding 695.1 million barrels. And when he left office, it had... 638.1 million barrels. Now, in March of 2020, Trump directed the Department of Energy to purchase 77 million barrels. I think it was a $3 billion uh, price tag on that. But it was subject to congressional funding. And at the time, there was COVID funding and all, you know, that's when COVID was hitting the bricks pretty hard. And it did not get included in the uh, final bill. So they, they didn't get that then. Um, so I just wanted to let people know those facts. So whatever the quote, quote the your uh, other caller said, three million, uh, three hundred million or something barrels. That's that would be half. So the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is only holding half of what it can, 
because the uh, it can hold 727 million. So, but I would uh, recommend anyone to go out to that website because it has a lot of details around this. And I'm glad you called because uh, you pointed out that I misspoke. I I had said gallons and and I meant to say barrels of oil uh, in the strategic reserve. So thank you, Sue. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, you know, I had to, you know, actually read what I'm looking at because I was thinking, you know, gallons, too, because we think about gallons because that's what we buy it in gas-wise. But, um, yeah, so reading is an art. Yeah, yeah it's barrels. Yeah, the strategic reserve is holding oil, not gasoline. So I, I and I misspoke Correct. there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I meant to say barrels. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. Okay. And, and, and also, it says here, too, I just have to throw this in because I'm such a partisan. It says the bill did not make its way into the final draft of the bill that was passed into law with Senate Democrats taking credit for its removal. So, so they took credit. Oh, okay. I'd do it then. Interesting. All right. So, anyway. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate it. All righty. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye now. Uh, Bob in Leesport, I only have about uh, two minutes for you. I know you wanted to provide an opinion on the uh, Costas quote. Go ahead. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, yeah, let Costas have his opinion, but yeah, I disagree with it. He talks about Biden as being this wonderful man. None of the guy's dirty. He's a dirty politician. He speaks out of both corners of his mouth. I mean, he was lying about Hunter's laptop to, to win an election. He eulogized Robert Byrd, then lies about his role in the civil rights movement. I mean, uh, he talked about the reduction infl- the re- Inflation Reduction Act. That's a lie. He threw money instead uh, it, uh, on top of the, the problems that we had. And the only reason our economic improvement is continuing is partially because he did retain the low tax rates that, um, that Trump had. And it's not going to last forever. This money is going to work its way through the system. And then we're going to see that our economy is in, in, in worse shape. And the inflation is not disappearing it hasn't gone down. The rate of increase has gone down, but the inflation itself, where people are, you know, strapped to try and uh, make payments and the like. And, and when it comes to the border, what, there again he lied. He, he claimed that he was going to do things that were go, that would be civilly responsible for the American people, and he opens up the, the southern border. Please don't talk about uh, Joe Biden being this paragon of greatness and virtue. I, I disagree completely. Trump is a, is a jerk. I'll agree. Uh, his personality is not the greatest. But I'll hold up his record to Biden's on many issues any day. I got that in two minutes, so there you go. There you go. That's a record. Thank you, Bob. (laughs) I appreciate it. Take care, okay? Yeah, you too. All right. Bye-bye now. And, of course, uh, as I said before, uh, uh, Michigan is holding its uh, primary today, and there is a a, uh, movement afoot uh, there in Michigan among Democrats who are warning the president to take the primary results in that state seriously as activists are pushing him to change course on the war between Israel and Hamas. I think I have enough time to share this quote with you from a voter out there in Michigan. President Biden could face a major challenge today as voters head to the polls in the Michigan primary. The state is home to a large Arab American population, voicing opposition to Biden's support for Israel in its war against Hamas. In a statement overnight, President Biden raised new hopes for a ceasefire, saying Israel is ready to halt the fighting in Gaza during the upcoming holy month of Ramadan if Hamas releases dozens of hostages. ABC's Perry Russom is here with more on the politics of this war. Perry, good morning. Andrea, good morning to you. We've heard of undecided when it comes to voting, but in today's primary in Michigan, thousands of voters are expected to vote uncommitted. 
This morning, President Biden faces a major test in Michigan's Democratic primary, not from another candidate, but from a protest vote organized by a key subset of voters angry over his support of Israel and its war against Hamas. I'm very concerned about the direction uh, this country is taking as far as Gaza. I can't throw my full support behind uh, President Biden. As and that is uh, a report from ABC News uh, giving you an idea as to uh, what the president is looking at uh, in today's uh, primary there in Michigan. And with that, we'll take a break and we'll be back with the final seconds of feedback in just a bit. I want to thank my producer, Sean Tansky, for putting together the sound bites today and everything else you do for me. Thank you, buddy. No problem. Anytime, Bill. We'll work again tomorrow for sure, and I'm looking forward to your segment on Friday as well. I want to thank everybody who called in today or emailed me with your opinions of the topics of the day. You folks are the stars of this show. We'll do it again tomorrow for sure. And until tomorrow, make it a great rest of your day today. Today.